Well, good morning. Welcome to, to Faith. We're in a, a message series, the Gospel of Mark, as we move on towards, towards um, uh, Easter. So it's a gospel about discipleship, uh, what it means to be a disciple, and, and about discipling others. And, and, and Mark, of course, has much to tell us about that. And uh, today, today our title is Jesus the Compassionate Shepherd. Jesus the Compassionate Shepherd. We're going to look at, at Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 44. A little bit of Bible trivia. You know, in the, in the, gospel, in the Gospels, there, there are um, two miracle stories that all four of the Gospels give us. One miracle story is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's an incredible miracle. The other miracle story is what we're going to talk about today. And it's, it's, it's the feeding of the 5,000 men, and they were women and children. It could have been up to 15,000, 20,000 people. Why did all four of the gospel writers give us that one? Of all the miracles that Jesus did, because this was a big dramatic story, a big dramatic event. This came at the apex of the popularity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, almost at the, at the end of the second year, the three-year ministry, at the end of the second year, things were building and building. And, 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 and in fact, John's gospel tells us that it was after this that, that, that some people wanted to crown him as king. All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go right now. <laughs> That's how dramatic this story is. It's a miracle of creation. You know the story of the, the, the feeding of the 5,000. I'm sure you probably have known something of that, this incredible story of Jesus creating out of just two fish and bread, uh, 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 a loaf of bread, uh, uh, bread, five loaves of bread, uh, 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 feeding these multitudes before their very eyes. It's a, it's a creation miracle, a miracle of creation. Now, now, there's some people, the skeptics, who would look at, the, think of, look at this and say, that, that sounds, you know, first of all, miracles don't really happen. So they see this story as a, a miracle, not of, 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 of creation, but a miracle of sharing. That is, Jesus found, John tells a little boy with his, with his little lunch his little lunchbox. Jesus finds him, and Jesus raises this boy as an example and says, here's some food, and I know all of you have lunch that you brought. Why don't you bring your lunch out and share your lunch with one another, and then everybody will be fed. And so the skeptics who don't believe in miracles say that this is a miracle of sharing. They're wrong. <laughs> the text tells us, and the four gospel writers want us to see, this is a miracle not of sharing, yes, but of, of sharing what he created out of, out of just a, a, a little bit of food. This is a dramatic, mind-boggling, incredible miracle done by the Creator, the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of us, many times we hear the word miracle used in a sloppy way. Maybe this week you heard it. Maybe Friday night you heard the word miracle used in a very sloppy way. You know what happened at UMBC, with UMBC the other night? Friday night? UMBC? They shocked the world, didn't they? The team that was seated last, 16th seed, shocked the University of Virginia in the March Madness. UVA was the top-seeded team, number one in the first round. Historically, 135 times schools that were rated 16 tried to do that and had never been done until Friday night. But Baltimore <laughs> hit the map as UMBC didn't just win on a buzzer beater or a fluke, they destroyed UVA if you watched the game. They totally embarrassed them. Totally. Years ago, there was a joke about UMBC. That's from UMBC in the house, by the way. I saw Alex during the meet and greet. <laughs> UMBC stood for you must be crazy to go there. UMBC, you must be crazy. People aren't thinking that anymore. No, 
Those days are behind us. It's too, the, the, the coach, Ryan Odom, said it's too improbable for words, except that it happened. Unbelievable. It's really all you can say. That's the UMGC's coach. Now, we heard some other adjectives uh, de- uh, describing. Amazing, stunning, astounding, unforgettable, like David over Goliath, even miraculous. And when I heard miraculous, I said, hmm, maybe that's a stretch. Let's not get too carried away. It was astounding, but Mark 6, this is a miracle. This is truly miraculous. You want to see a miracle? Let's listen to the story. Mark 6, verses 30 to 44. As Jesus, the great compassionate shepherd king, cares for his sheep in this story. ESV translation on the on overhead. Verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat for a desolate place by themselves. To a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when he grew late, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. The hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. (laughs) And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. They found out, they said, Five, two fish. He commanded them all to sit down in groups on the, on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds, by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to the heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set over the people. And he, and he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of, bro- of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. But Jesus is like David, the shepherd king in the Old Testament. He has the authority and the power to act for those who he cares for. And he has the desire and the compassion act for those whom he cares for. He's the great shepherd king. Jesus comes as the son of David. Now, we are like the 12 disciples. Uh, we, we tend to focus only on our limited resources. The disciples calculated and concluded that, when, that, that, that what God had asked them to do was impossible. <laughs> we can't feed these people. In their own strength, with their limited resources, they were correct. And they are us, facing tough, seemingly impossible tasks in our lives. When we get to feel that way, we need to remind ourselves who it is that we serve, who it is that we know. The one we serve and know is the great shepherd who provides from unlimited resources. Jesus, the great shepherd, he can meet all of our needs. We need to understand that. No matter where we are, what, what, what kind of needs we have, we can have the confidence that, that the Lord Jesus Christ can and desires to care for us in that way. This is a passage in a lot of ways about leadership. 
though it, you know, all, all the four Gospels have it, but Mark focuses, I think, on the leadership aspect. And who, a leader is anyone with followers, anyone who has what I call the ministry of influence. And, and you might be saying, well, I'm not a leader, so I can shut down. Now, time out. I mean, if, if, if there's anybody who's looking at you, listening to you, following you, or who you're trying to influence, you're a leader. And the principle that we're going to talk about here about leadership is for you. Jesus provides first for the crowds. We're going to see that. Then we're going to see he provides through the leaders, through the apostles. And then lastly, we're going to see he provides for the leaders, for the apostles. Okay? First, he provides for the crowds. We're going to just overview this whole passage in a couple movements. First movement is, is the escaping of verses 30 and 32, the escaping. In the context... Uh, um, the 12 have gone on a mission trip that he sent them on. John the Baptist has been beheaded. He sends them on a mission trip. And now and this is the return from that mission trip. And it's interesting, verse 30, uh, uh, there, for the first time in the Gospel of Mark, he doesn't call them the disciples. He doesn't call them the 12. He calls them apostles, apostles, Greek word apostolos, the ones sent. In fact, it comes from the, from the, the, the military uh, uh, realm of that world. It was an official delegate from a king, an, an apostle, one sent with, with, as a dispatch with military force and power and authority. An apostle. Jesus, and you just use it. The New Testament used that word. One sent with authority from King Jesus. Uh, the, the, the escape. They're, so, so they're, they're, of course, they've come back returning, and they've got great things to share with each other and to share with Jesus. We get a glimpse of that from some of the other Gospels. And so Jesus says, yeah, let's, let's have some R&R. Let, let's, let, let's get away. Um, come away by yourselves to a desolate place. Let's rest. And he hadn't had, they didn't have time to eat. So, they're, they're, we have a map. I want you to look at this map because the Sea of Galilee. It's very important to understand what's going on in terms of the geography of this passage. Because they're over here, and he wants, they want to get on a boat and get away, which was their pattern. But people are following, not just Jesus, the 12. They follow, the, because you see, when you follow Jesus' people, eventually they're going to lead you to Jesus. <laughs> so the people who are following the leaders to, to get to Jesus, they get to Jesus, and, 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 and so people want ministry from Jesus, not just from the leaders now, from the apostles. And, and, but they want R&R. So they get on a boat, so let's go around the other side of the lake, thinking that they can escape the people who want ministry. But no, what happens? As they go around the lake, people can watch them. See the second slide. People can see where they're going. Because the lake of Ga the Sea of Galilee isn't all, you can, you can see the other side. From, it's, it's a long look, but you can see the other shore. So they're watching the boat go to the other side, and on the land, as they go around, they're chasing on land to see where he's going to land. Where are they going to, where, where's the boat going to land? Where's it going to dock the boat? And so <laughs> they dock the boat, and the crowds are there. The crowds are there. No R&R &R yet for the weary, no. Verses uh, 33 and, and 34, it says, They recognized them, ran on foot from the towns, okay? When they saw on shore there was a great crowd gathered, and it says, He, Jesus, had compassion on them. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them. This phrase, sheep without a shepherd, is fraught with Old Testament meaning. I'm sure they were very familiar with Ezekiel chapter 34. Let me read a little bit of Ezekiel 34, 
uh, the, the great prophecy in uh, verse, uh, verse 18. Behold, no, ver, let me start in, in the second verse. Shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? There's an indictment in this chapter on the shepherds of Israel who are not feeding their sheep well. Later in the chapter, Behold, I am against the shepherds. I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. So God's going to intervene because the shepherds aren't doing it right. Talking in the time of the prophets, but it's continued on. And late, later in the passage, he says, Therefore, behold, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. My, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust it all the week and with your horns till you have scattered them abroad, I will rescue my flock. He's concerned about the, the, the health of the flock. They shall no longer be a prey. I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their, their shepherd. I, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. God promises a day when he will give a good shepherd, a great shepherd, one in the line of David who's a good shepherd. One of the names of Jesus is the son of David, isn't it? Jesus is the, the great shepherd. John chapter 10 is the one that God promised to come who would not be like the bad shepherds of the people, but would care for them and love them and, care, and teach them and protect them and watch over them. And here in this passage, there's a, there, may, maybe that's what he was teaching about. We don't know. But it says that because he had compassion, he began to teach them many things, many things things. You know, Bible teaching is, is instructive for the mind, and when, when grasped, it should fill our hearts with joy or with sorrow, depending on the nature of the content that's there in that passage. But ultimately, it, should, it shouldn't stop there with just the mind and the heart. It should move us to action, to action. And we see that here with Jesus. Jesus' compassion involved feeling. But his feeling certainly moved his will to do something, and his shepherding heart moved him to teach them. And they needed the word. The crowds he knew had not been shepherded well. Earlier in the parable of the soil, he talked about the power of the word and how the, 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 the heart, the soil, was what made the difference. So he taught them. Then the next movement is verses 35 to 40. And, and there we see the, inter the interesting interplay between Jesus and, and the twelve. The disciples have an an honest desire to see the crowds disperse to the nearby fast food places to grab a bite. By the way, their, their secondary reason was, yeah, they wanted, they wanted to R&R &R with Jesus. They really, you know, so, so Jesus, when they come to Jesus and say, send the crowds away, they need to go and eat. Jesus says, well, why don't you feed them? Jesus always had strange things to say, didn't he? <laughs> this is in contrast, by the way, with Mark chapter 8 finger in the Bible. Turn to Mark 8. A couple interesting nuggets from Mark 8, which is a, a contrasting uh, 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 story. There, there's a feeding of 4,000, not 5,000. There, it seems to be geographically a, more of a Gentile area than a Jewish area. It's fascinating we compare the two stories. But here's another, another contrast. It begins in chapter 8, verse 1 of Mark. In those days when, again, a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he, Jesus, called his disciples to him, 
and said to them, now do again, this is after the feeding of the 5,000, it's 4,000, and, 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 and Jesus takes the initiative here and says, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. What's he doing? He's trying to rem remind them that earlier when they were on the, at the Jewish crowd, they were eager that the people would eat. But now among the Gentiles, well, they're, not as concerned. They're, 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 they're not as invested in this with the Gentiles. It's a pattern throughout the scriptures. So Jesus is reminding him, just as I cared for the Jews, I care for the Gentiles as well, guys. And if you read on in that chapter, you'll see the frustration rising in Jesus at their lack of understanding of his heart for the, the, the non-Jewish people. Another nugget of contrast. In Mark 8, he instructs the small, gent smaller Gentile crowd to lay on the ground. It's a specific word there. But here in Mark 6, he tells them to lay on green grass. Green grass. This fertile, fresh grass. These are people who have the covenant of God, and they have the word of God, and the, and the miracles of God, and, and they have the structures in place that could provide for a healthy relationship with the true and living God, but they need to have good under-shepherds, and they don't. They don't. In Psalm 23, the Lord said, the shepherds make me lay down in green pastures. The good shepherd does that. Maybe Jesus was teaching on Psalm 23 on that afternoon. But he's training his 12. And then in verse 41, he takes the five loaves and the two fish, and he looks up to the heaven, and he, he, he says a blessing. It's good to bless your food before you eat it. It's a fish sandwich, but he's going to do a miracle with that fish sandwich. <laughs> his physical actions are more important there because there's a huge crowd, and they're monitoring what's he going to do next. And, and all of them can't even see from, from way far in the back. So he does some physical actions, blesses the food. Then in 41 to 44, there's the feeding, this incredible feeding. As he goes into these, the basket and pulls out food, and then he pulls out more food, and they say, well, how did he get all that food from that basket? And he just keeps, and, and can you imagine the look on people's faces as this occurred? Incredible. The crowds were hungry, and Jesus provided for the needs of their body. There's an implication here for us. Holistic ministry of Jesus is important for the church. To not just minister to souls, but minister to bodies as well. Body and soul. In, in James chapter 2, there's a great discussion. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and no one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is it? So also, faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Don't be the kind of believer who believes only in faith, only in the soul, doesn't believe in, in works, the body. We, we believe in word and deed. We're holistic people because Jesus had holistic ministry and encourages us to. But also Matthew chapter 10, he talks about body and soul here. Listen to this. He's in, in the context of, the, of teaching them about missions, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. 
Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Soul and body. Soul and body. The priority, yes, we have bodies, but our body's going to waste away, but our soul is going to endure forever. Don't forget that. Nevertheless, this doesn't minimize the importance of the physical. See, the gospel has an inherent holistic transformation when it's unleashed. And, and the gospel, you see, is Jesus. When Jesus is, is manifested, unleashed, that's what happens. Who he is and what he did. When, when that's understood, transforming things happen. People are transformed. History is transformed. When we talk about word and deed ministry, we're, all we're doing is, talking, is, is staying in track with what Jesus is all about. And um, Philip Keller wrote is a great book about Shepherds look at Psalm 23. He talks about a lot about the, the feeding of, 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 of sheep, as he was a sheep herder for years. Talks about uh, drinking uh, quiet, uh, uh, still waters and all. Just one quote from him. He talks about uh, a, a sheep. A hungry, ill-fed sheep is ever on its feet, on the move, searching for another scanty mouthful of forage to try and satisfy his gnawing hunger. Such sheep are not contented. They do not thrive. They are of no use to themselves nor to their owners. They languish and lack vigor and vitality. And we are, when we are, we like sheep, when we are not fed physically and spiritually, that's the same, that's our situation as well. We need to be fed physically and spiritually. The second thing I see in this passage is uh, that Jesus provides through the leaders, through the apostles. Verse 41. We'll zero in on that right now. Not only is Jesus willing, but he's able. And I want to zero on, on that right now. Uh, I, I believe that um, that's important in the mind of Mark, the writer, the human writer. He was a disciple of, of Peter. And Mark's telling us the story this gospel story, selecting various stories. And each of the four gospels writes something interesting about this, this whole incident. Um, but Mark gives us a window into the interplay between Jesus and the twelve. John does too, but Mark has an interesting interplay. Uh, John, Jesus asks the twelve to feed the crowds. <laughs> and in Mark's gospel, this is, this is a disciple-making moment. Now, Mark focuses on the fears and failures in his gospel all the time. Fears and failures, the inadequacies of apostles of disciples, of those who follow. And you ever wonder why? Just a little bit about why he does that, I think. This is Peter's gospel. You know, Peter was a, was a failure in a lot of ways. <laughs> he was a success in many ways, but he was always a failure. He, he, he just, the, the, the three times denying Jesus. But also John himself, the disciple of Peter. You remember he, uh, his fears uh, got the better of him on, on the first missionary journey in the book of Acts. You remember that? How the first journey began, Acts 13, and they went, John Mark went with Paul and Barnabas, and halfway through, for some reason, we don't know why, John Mark went back home, going back to Antioch. Can't, can't handle it. Second missionary journey, let's go back on the, to, to those churches, and, and who are we going to grab? And Barnabas says, well, let's get John Mark. And Paul says, time out, no way. We're not taking him. Remember, last time he couldn't, he, he wasn't, he couldn't endure. Paul and Barnabas had a major discussion <laughs> they argued, <laughs> and they, they couldn't solve it. And so Paul took Silas on that journey, and Barnabas took Mark, and, and they, they went on separate, to, separate ways. And we know later in the Gospels that Paul and, and John Mark uh, reconciled. But 
there's something in John Mark that he understood failure and, and, and forgiveness and the patience of God. He had learned that lesson. Disciples need to understand that lesson because the disciples, you see, the apostles, we're not perfect people. The leaders are not perfect. Have you learned that lesson yet? The, the good news is not that we, have, we are perfect people or have perfect leaders. The good news is we have a perfect Savior. That's the gospel. We have a perfect Savior. I was thinking about our, our, our national leadership this week in, in the context of this. and how We don't expect people to be perfect, but we, we should be concerned that seemingly every other week there's a reshuffling of leadership in various positions in our nation. We have, a, we, we have in contrast, a king who is slow to anger and, and quick to forgive and doesn't, doesn't fire us from the kingdom at a whim when we fail once or twice. Aren't you glad that's the king that we serve? He invites troubled, imperfect, broken, weary people to come and find rest in him. So in this passage, as we continue, Jesus divides the crowd into groups, hundreds and fifty. Did you notice that in did you notice that in the text? And did you notice in Exodus chapter 18, particularly verse 25, which we read? There's, there's what I would call the Jethro principle in this passage. Moses was leading the flock of Israel through the wilderness, a total of 40 years of shepherding God's flock. Moses was doing it all. And so Jethro, his father-in-law, Pulls him aside and says, you're doing a good job, but you're doing too much. You're doing it all. you got to get some godly people around you to help you. This is delegation. Delegation of his leadership, of his authority. And Jesus is doing the same thing in his ministry at this point. Jesus is the one who is greater than Moses. He's the new Moses with the greater flock in the wilderness. He, he feeds them manna. John chapter 6, manna from on high. He himself is the manna. Come down from heaven. John chapter 6 compassion of, of the shepherd, delegation. My, uh, some of you know my mother, uh, we celebrated her birthday last week, uh, 90 years old. Picture my mom, that's her. Uh, there, were, uh, there were over 30 of us around the table. <laughs> and uh, the next picture is, my, is my, myself and my, my, my uh, sisters, my three sisters there. Um, my mom, love my mom. I, le I learned much about strength, responsibility, and leadership from my dad. My dad passed away almost 11 years ago. But I learned... Uh, a wisdom and patience and compassion for my mother. Compassion. Compassion is a very important quality to have. And uh, hopefully I have some of that. And I was thinking this week about in the third grade. Uh, my mom had, uh, you know, we have these, you, know, you have the, um, the teacher review com uh, conferences. And my mom had a conference with my teacher, third grade teacher. And the teacher said that my reading comprehension wasn't what it ought to be. My mom said, what? Because my mom, my mom was a kindergarten. She was my kindergarten teacher, as a matter of fact. She taught me and my sisters. Uh, but she was, uh, she was a homemaker at that point. And, 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 and she made us read. You know, we, I, I love to play ball during the day, but you were going to read. You can do some reading, boy. And so we were, and, uh, and so she was shocked to hear that my reading comprehension wasn't, wasn't ought to be. So she went, her compassion moved her to talk to the teacher in that conversation. Well, we have to deal with this. Her compassion also moved her that summer to not only make me read, but make me do book reports. To report what? Because the problem wasn't reading, it was comprehension. I hope that helped. I think that helped. But my point is simply this. Compassion moved her. Compassion moved her to action. And I thank God for, for a mom who, who in many ways, was a, is an example of the Lord Jesus Christ. We call it to serve. We call it to serve. We call it not just to have compassion and feeling. Yes, but feeling should move us and energize us into action. We saw a lot of action yesterday with the spring thing. 
the great celebration that we had down, uh, downstairs. As it was beginning, I said to some people, we should call this the winter thing because it was freezing yesterday. It was windy and the cold, but it was wonderful. It was mostly downstairs. I think they had an egg hunt outside. God bless them. I stayed in, inside. But serving, serving. The, the, the Lord motivates us to serve, to serve because of our compassion. The last thing is, is see, Jesus doesn't just provide through the leaders. He provides for the leaders. You see, look, look what happens in this passage in verse 43. Verse, verse 43. It says, first, they all ate, were satisfied. 43, they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of the fish. They had leftovers. They had a lot of leftovers. 12 baskets of leftovers. Now, now, in the beginning, we saw this emotionally drained group of disciples. They were weary. They were, they were saying, you know, we, we, we just want some, some rest and, and, and be refreshed and restored. We see them in their confusion and their frustration and their ignorance, urging Jesus to send the crowns away so they can get the rest they need and the food they need. And yet Jesus is pushing them. <laughs> He's put, he, he, but, but at the end, what does Jesus do? He protects his, his, his apostles because they are emotionally vulnerable. You know when you've had great success, you're emotionally vulnerable? You know that? You are. And so he sees their physical need. And so the miracle includes some food for them, some leftovers. They can protect, partake of the food as well. There's 12 baskets, 12 of them, 12 baskets, symbolizing the 12 tribes of Israel, yes, but also one for each of them and for their families. He is the manna of heaven, not just for the crowds. He's their manna. He's manna for them. He's concerned about their needs as leaders, as those who are, those who are helping others into the kingdom. I love the verse Matthew 6, 33. It comes in the context of worrying about food and clothing and shelter. And he says, Look, consider the lilies, consider the birds. He says, seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be added unto you. Have a passion for the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. And if you're the kind of person who seeks the kingdom, God will take care of you. That's the principle. Unfortunately, a lot of leaders, they don't apply that principle and they worry about building for themselves, building a kingdom, building resources, getting, getting rich off of people. Kind of the shepherds of Israel were doing that as we saw back in Ezekiel. There was a call, there was a challenge early in the service from the missions committee to consider not just ascending, but maybe being one who would go, like Barnabas and Saul, two of the five leaders at Antioch. Maybe, maybe the Lord said something to you at that point, and you, but you said, you know, it's, it's scary. It, it, there's a security issue. Will God take care of me? Will, will God be able to, to take care of my needs if I'm going to serve him in, on the front lines like that? Well, you know, God has a history of doing that for people <laughs> who trust him, who step out in faith. But like most pastors, I am not rich, but I am not poor either. I haven't missed many meals, as you can tell. God, God has taken care of me and my wife and my children. I was just reviewing this. this I spent 11 years on InterVarsity staff, which means I had to raise support. And it was a, that was a totally new thing for me, raising support. But God, there were times that were tough. I've shared some of those stories in the past. But God was faithful. The next four years of my, of my life um, was going away for seminary. <laughs> that was interesting. And then two years of waiting after seminary. And not having not one job, but multiple jobs, trying to make sure the family was, was taken care of. God 
provided for our needs. First church, Forest Park, small church across town. Nine years, the Lord took care of us. And I've been here 18 years, and the Lord still con continues to, to, to provide. If, if, you're, if you're concerned about God's provision, God provides. I, I'm, God provides for you if, if you seek first the kingdom of God. Were all times easy? No. Were the tough times? Yes. But God provides for those who step out in faith. Jesus provides. Do, do you know that he provides? Do you know his provision? Do you, are, you, are you trusting him as your provider? Or are you trusting your boss? Ultimately, you have to trust God. Do you know the compassionate shepherd? Do you know the compassion of him? As well as his power. Believe in him. Trust in him. Follow him. Put your life into his hands. Let me close with a song, the lyrics of a song that we sung quite often. It's a hymn. Deep words, great words, simple words. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures, feed us. For our use, thy folds prepare. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us, and thine we are. We are thine. Thou dost befriend us, be the guardian of our way. Keep thy flock from sin. Defend us, seek us when we go astray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, oh, hear us when we pray. Thou hast promised to receive us, poor and sinful though we be. Thou hast mercy to relieve us, grace to cleanse and power to free. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, we will early turn to thee. Early, let us seek thy favor, your grace. Early, let us do thy will. Blessed Lord and only Savior, with thy love our bosoms fill. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast loved us, love us still. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast loved us, love us still. Jesus, the great, almighty, compassionate shepherd who loves his own. Trust him even today. Let's pray. Look, God, sometimes we, we are so familiar with this miracle story that we don't step back to really understand what it is and how incredible it is. And I pray this week as we would reflect on it in our own lives, we, we would apply it to the, the things that we need. Lord, we, are, we, we tend to, to limit you and the, the resources that are available. <laughs> you're, you're God Almighty. <laughs> In those times, whenever it is this week where we need you, help us to remember you are God Almighty and you love us in Jesus Christ and you provide for those who call on you. I would pray for some who don't trust you even now, Lord. Give them hearts of faith that hope in you and call on you. And we'll pray, give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's uh, sing a cappella. Uh, stand up and sing uh, the song Our God, the verse and chorus. Reminding us of the power of God. Water you turned into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you, none like you, our God. Our God is greater, 
our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. Let's receive God's benediction. May the love of God, our Heavenly Father, the grace of Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and the presence of the Spirit of God be with you now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you.